Good morning, church. Let's stand to our feet. It's a super Sunday. You guys ready to worship today? Let's just pray together as we start. Lord Jesus, we come into your house today full of praise. Lord, there's so many crazy things going on in our world, but Lord, here in this place today, we choose to praise you, to give you glory and honor. Lord Jesus, come and move in this place today. Amen.
In the morning When I rise In the morning When I rise In the morning When I rise Give me Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, give me Jesus, give me as we worship you today there's nothing more important in this world than you there be so many things that come our way or thrown our way but nothing compares God nothing compares to you to your love your grace your mercy God the joy and peace that is found in relationship with you Have all this world give me Jesus. Church, do you agree? Do you agree? Say amen. Amen. Come on, let's applaud our Lord. The praise is for you, Jesus. Amen. And amen. Turn to your neighbor this morning and tell them hi. that you are joining us on this Super Bowl Sunday. Some of y'all um, are probably really excited about your teams playing. Some of us are Jaguars fans and we don't care anymore. So whichever camp you are in, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. My name is Julia. I am the young adult minister at Anastasia Church. And um, welcome, if it's your first time, I wanna encourage you to stop by our welcome desk out in the atrium. We have a gift especially for you. And you can also text the number 904-441-6900 and text the word connect. That will pull up our digital connect card. Let us know that you're visiting, where you're from, any prayer requests that you may have. You can also text that same number 904-441-6900. Text the word news. That will pull up our digital bulletin whenever, wherever you are throughout the week. Some things that we have going on here at the church on Saturday, February 25th, is our women's event. You do not want to miss it, ladies. You may sign up out in the atrium this morning, and hopefully you'll be a part of this very special time of fellowship and diving into God's Word. 
We are also having a congregational meeting on Sunday, February 26th. This is a time when our um, church members get together and make important decisions about the life of our church. So I hope that you will be there. That morning, we will also have child parent dedications. So if you have not yet um, dedicated your child here at Anastasia Church, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Reach out to our Anastasia Kids team and they will be happy to get you signed up for that. And last but not least, um, middle schoolers and high schoolers, Impact Weekend is happening March 3rd through 5th. You do not want to miss it. If you have a middle schooler or a high schooler in your household, sign them up today. It's going to be such an incredible weekend. They will come back on fire for the Lord and just so excited for what is happening in our youth ministry. With that, our construction is still going strong out in the back parking lot. We are so excited to see how things are coming along and we have a special video for an update on our new building. Thank you. One generation will trail your waltz to the nets. One generation will commend your works to another. And will proclaim your mighty acts. And they shall declare your mighty acts. Psalms 145, verse 4. Psalm 145, 4. Church, we are in an exciting time uh, in the life of our faith in our church, and uh, we are moving forward in our faith campaign. And just this past week, we laid the foundation for a new family uh, ministry building. And really the heart of this, this family ministry building is that we want to reach more generations for Christ, that we as a church, we would declare the goodness of Christ uh, to generations to come, and we would share with them uh, the truth of the gospel. And so as a part of that, as we uh, had the foundation poured, uh, we asked multiple generations from our church family to come and to spray paint that verse on the foundation of our building, really to echo that that's our prayer, that's our desire, that's our dream uh, for this building that we would reach for generations to come. Thank you, church. so cool several weeks ago we took the kids out there and some of their leaders and they spray painted Psalm 145.4 on the foundation of the church I, I'm just it just is a picture of what we're trying to do praise God he's gotten he's gotten us to this point uh, let me just share with you during the month of February we're highlighting our for generations to come faith campaign and what we're doing as church, we want to remind you, because it's been a year ago since we talked about it. So during this month, if you get tired of hearing about this, uh, come in March, okay? Because we just need to, we need to remind all of us what we're trying to do. We are embarking on the biggest task we have ever done as a church. And it's not to build a big building. It's to reach generations to come. It's to reach that next generation for Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have a challenge ahead of us. We're trying to get to $8.1 million, 8. 
$1.1 million by next year, a little bit later than this, maybe 14 months from now when we close on the loan. And uh, I tell you what, God provides the funding. We'll have enough money to put in the building, but, but our success in getting to that goal, it's what's going to help us to get it fully furnished and equipped the way that we want it to be equipped for these kids. So I uh, just want to encourage you uh, to continue with us. Uh, pray about how you continue with us. Um, uh, my wife and I will give every month, every week, and uh, two weeks whenever we get paid. Uh, we put money into for generations to come along with our tithe to the church. And uh, we've upped it this year as we reevaluated our finances this year. And in this month of February, in this month of February, this for generations to come, we're also putting in another significant donation, what we felt like we could afford. And it's a big, it's a big thing for us to have to do, but it's, it's significant because we're in this. We're in this, and this is for the next generation, and I'm excited to see what's going on, okay? So would you keep that as a matter of prayer, please? Thank you so much. The next big thing I'm hoping to see is when they lay that first block on the ground, and that building starts going up. That's what's going to happen. Praise God for what he's doing. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Let's get into the word of God now, and, and we're in this series that we're calling Lead Me to the Cross, and uh, you know, this, this path to the cross, we're looking at the, uh, John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 in this season as we run up to Easter, and, and this, this path to the cross, this path of getting to the center of where God would want us to be, uh, this path, this walk, it's counterintuitive. Do you understand that? That, that this, this walk in following Jesus, not only is it counterintuitive, it's, it's countercultural. Sometimes we say we live in a Christian culture. But don't fool yourself. We don't live in a Christian culture. You know, we, we worship freely, but, but we're not really in a Christian culture. Because in our society and in our day and age, when someone says they are a Christian, it can mean a whole lot. Or it can mean absolutely nothing. Okay? The word can be kind of cheap, you know. So how do serious followers of Jesus Christ interact and engage in this kind of society? That's what I want to talk about this morning. In John chapter 15, starting at verse 18, that's the passage that we're looking at. At that passage, this is where Jesus tells us how we can relate to to this kind of society. So would you please stand with me in honor of God's word? I'm starting at John chapter 15, verse 18. This is what Jesus said, recorded in the word of God. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world... The world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Now, if I had not come and spoken to them, They would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. I've moved into chapter 16. I'm almost done. Hang in there with me. They'll put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God, and they'll do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand and Lord, help us to be effective in relating to this culture where many of them do not know you as a Lord and Savior. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Calling myself a Christian doesn't make me a follower of Jesus. Going to church occasionally does not make me a follower of Jesus. Being born into a Christian family, even that doesn't make me a Christian. The only thing that makes me a follower of Jesus is that I trust Jesus, I love Jesus, and that I follow his teaching and I follow him and his leading. That's what makes me a follower of Jesus. That's what makes me truly a Christian. Uh, A follower of Jesus is a disciple. That's what makes us as a disciple. And this is what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who has faith in Jesus, someone who's being transformed by Jesus, and someone who is engaged in Jesus's mission. That's what a disciple is. So to be a follower of Christ, you have to be, you have to be a disciple, okay? And not, Jesus said this. He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you get that? Not everyone that says I'm a Christian is going to go to heaven. That's what he's saying here. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who's in heaven. In the United States today, uh, there are a lot more people who call themselves Christians than there are people who are truly followers of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? A lot more people that call themselves Christians than are truly followers of Jesus Christ. And this is a 2021 research poll. They said this, and uh, of the people who call themselves Christians in the United States, not the whole population, just those people who say, I'm a Christian, okay? 60% do not believe the words of Jesus in John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They do not believe, 60% of those who call themselves Christians do not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. So how do we, and by the way, if you have any question, that's what we teach here. That's what I believe. Jesus is the only way. That's core value. Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. So how do, we, how do we relate to this kind of society? This is what Jesus is telling us. And so what is our relationship with the world? And, and for the purposes of this message, when I'm talking about the world in, in this message, um, there are several definitions. The world can mean the earth. I'm not talking about the earth or it can mean all of humanity. But in this message and in this passage and many times in the New Testament, I'm taking a Greek word that's being translated the world, that Greek word cosmos, cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S in the Greek, cosmos. And, And cosmos is translated the world and it really means that part of life and culture that is under the power and influence of sin and death. 
It's that part of life and culture that is under the power of influence and sin of death. So in this message, when I talk about the world, this is what I'm talking about. And we have this relationship with the world. And, uh, and what I'm talking about, this sin and death thing, is in the beginning, you know, in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. We had this paradise in the Garden of Eden. And then sin came into the world. And sin is spread and spread and spread and spread and spread. The Bible tells us that one day judgment is going to come and sin and death are going to be defeated. They're going to be gone and we're going to have another paradise in eternity, okay? Yeah, praise God for that. So we have the Garden of Eden, the paradise, and now we have the, the new heaven, new earth paradise. And right now we're living between the paradises, okay? And we're living in the world. We're living in a culture that has been under the influence of sin and death. As a matter of fact, it's not only under the influence of sin, it's groaning under the pressure of generation after generation of accumulated consequences of sin after sin after sin after sin. I think the only thing that keeps this culture from being destroyed is the counteracting influence of God's church. The salt and light influence is sort of keeping things a little bit in, in, in balance there. Anyway, but this, this accumulated consequences of sin, uh, generation after generation after generation, it affects everything, everything. Do you know why eggs are so expensive in the store? It's because of sin, right? It's because of sin and death. These chickens are dying. They can't lay their egg. It's because of sin and death. Everything is affected by sin and death, okay? And so as a follower of Jesus, I know my sins are forgiven. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm living for eternity, okay? So I'm not worried about what happens to me when I die. But I'm still living in the world where all these sinful influences are. And uh, I'm also living in this body of flesh that is vulnerable to sin. So I still deal with this. And so how do I, how do I cope? And so the first point I want to make is this. Followers of Jesus are in a love-hate relationship with the world. We're in a love-hate relationship with the world. We're in a complicated relationship with the world. And here's what I mean. And this is the next point. Uh, Followers of Jesus must love the world that hates our complete faith in Jesus. We have to love the world. We're called to love the world that, that, that hates our uh, complete faith in Jesus. So even though they may hate what we believe, even so we're called to love them. Because, you know, another core value, love is our greatest command, right? We're supposed to love the Lord, our God, love our heart, love our neighbor, love our enemies, love one another. Uh, love is what we're supposed to do. And even those that might hate us. And our culture doesn't have a problem with people who call themselves Christian. Not at all. Not at all. What happens, though, when you become very serious about your faith and you go all in for Jesus and, uh, and, and you try to be sincere and you're trying to let the words of Jesus and the new life in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit touch every aspect of your life, then expect some pushback. Expect that there will be a great many of people that have a problem with Jesus affecting every avenue of your life. Just expect that. That's what Jesus said. It's a love-hate relationship, okay? And even though we, we may be disliked and we might be seen as something that's not good in a lot of society, we still are called to love the world, okay? And how do we do this? Well, as I'm looking through this passage, I find seven principles. You might find nine might find because you're smarter than I am. But I found seven principles here. And uh, the first one's coming from verses 18 and 19. I'm going to briefly go through them. 
Uh, it says here, verse 18, if the world hates you, know it's hated me before it hated you. And if you are of this world, the world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. That, that phrase, out of the word, world, three phrases, three words in the Greek, ek to cosmo, okay? Ectocosmo. You are out of the world. You guys are ectocosmo. You're not endocosmo in the world. You are ectocosmo. I'm looking at all these people. You guys are ectocosmo. Say ectocosmo. Ectocosmo. That means you are out of this world. You guys are out of this world. I love it. That's what Jesus said. We're out of this world. And that's our identity. That we're ectocosmo. We are out of this world. And so the point is this, don't conform for the world's approval because we are not endocosmo, we are ectocosmo, we're out of this world. And so I'm living for Jesus. Don't conform for the world's approval, okay? When we, tr- we try to relate to the world, not because we want approval, but we, ca- we want to reach people for salvation. That's why we, that's why we do that. We, we, we reach out to the world because we want them to, to understand the beautiful joy and peace of the gospel that we have. So we don't seek its approval because there's only one person I live for. As a matter of fact, in Romans 12, 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. See, I don't want to be conformed because I am transformed in Christ. So don't conform for the world's approval. Another principle I see here is in verse 20. And in verse 20, he says, remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And he's giving us a relationship here, that he is the master and we are the servant, right? He's the master, we are the servant, right? Okay, most of you understand this. Okay, let me try one more time. I want you to get this. He is the master, we're the servant, right? Good. I'm glad we can agree on that because if, if we don't agree on that, then the whole rest of the sermon might as well be shot. Jesus is greater than me, okay? He's the master, I'm the servant. His words are better than my words. See, the words of Jesus Christ are sufficient in handling any situation that we come across, okay? Because that's why we say the Bible is the map. Jesus is the way, his words recorded in the Bible, that's the map. So anyway, don't be tempted to figure out things by bypassing the map. Don't try to take shortcuts in reaching the world for Christ by bypassing the map. Don't be tempted to make people happy. I mean, that's a natural inclination of mine. I try to keep people happy, okay? Well, don't be tempted in doing that to bypass the map, okay? Trust the words of Jesus over my own. That's what I want to do. And that's the next point. Trust the words of Jesus over my own. It doesn't matter what the latest polls say, what people believe, this or that. And you know... The words of Jesus can be hard, and they can make people upset, and you might think that we need to adjust our faith in order to fit, into better, fit in better in this society, but don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into that trap. Uh, Jesus' words, they are perfect. Jesus' words are power. His words are life-giving, and my words are none of that. Okay, so I want to trust in the words of Jesus. I I might make words that make people happy, but Jesus' words bring eternal life. And that's what I'm trusting in. Okay, so trust Jesus' words over my own words. And here's the third principle. This is coming from, from verse 24. Jesus said, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, those works that no one else did, we're talking about miracles here, okay? They would not be guilty of sin. There's power in Jesus. There's power. 
And not only that, Jesus said, you're gonna, Jesus said, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, okay? You're gonna be my witnesses. He's given us power, okay? We need to recognize the power of God. We need to recognize the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And here's the point. Believe in a miracle-working God. You're gonna try to figure out, how do, I, how do I deal with all this stuff? I don't know how I can figure out how this stuff works. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be obedient and trusting in him and believe that God will work the miracles that he needs to work. I believe in a miracle working God. So this is the next point. Believe in miracles, expect miracles, and love the miracle worker. Believe in miracles, expect miracles, and love the miracle worker. You know, one of the signs of the end times, this is amazing to me. As I go through Revelation and you look at those chapters where all this stuff is getting worse and worse and worse, chapter 6 through 16, and you know, you're seeing the, the, the great judgments coming down. And as God's power is increasingly, increasingly, increasingly on display, and we see that power of God just in that power of judgment just coming down, we see people that are remaining. They're not getting on their knees and saying, Lord, now we finally see. No, this power is being demonstrated against a backdrop of increasingly strong defiance against God. They're not getting down on their knees. They're shaking their fist to God. That's what the Bible says will happen. And, and you know, we want to see the might of God and we want to get down on our knees and say, thank you, Jesus. You are powerful, okay? Believe in miracles. I've seen miracles happen. Believe in miracles. Expect miracles. That doesn't mean every time I pray for a miracle, it happens. It doesn't. But believe in those and and then love the miracle worker, you know, because all the power that God shows us, it comes because he loves you. That's where it comes from. Look at verse 25. I see another principle here. This is the fourth principle. It says, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. They hated Jesus for no reason whatsoever. There's no reason they should have hated Jesus. They hated me without a cause. See, the gospel is a stumbling block already. It is hard for people to accept that we can be saved without earning our salvation. It is hard for people to comprehend that Jesus paid it all and we don't have to pay anything, that everything that happened is because of what Jesus did. It's hard for us. It's a stumbling block for so many people. It'd be easier if we said, you know, if everybody did this and you paid that and did those, those offerings and things like that, then you could earn your way into heaven and, and that'd make us feel really good in our human pride. But you know, often we just say, we either say, I'm good enough to get into heaven on my own or there's some people that say, I, I don't need to be forgiven. I haven't done anything that bad. And this idea of having to trust in Jesus for salvation, it's a stumbling block to the gospel. However, that needs to be the only stumbling block to the gospel. We don't need to add extra stumbling blocks, okay? Sometimes we do that. We don't need to do that. So this is the next point I want to make. Don't give the world extra cause to hate the gospel. Don't give the, the world extra cause to hate the gospel. Be a good neighbor because you know what happens when you're a bad neighbor and they know you're a Christian? They say, look at Christians. That's how Christians act. Don't be a Christian. Okay, that, that's what happens. So that's why it's important that we take away extra stumbling blocks that we put up. That's why I'm asking something of us. You know, there's going to be this congregation meeting that's coming in two weeks. And I'm asking us to do something we've never done in the life of this congregation. We're, we're identified, we have affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention. And last year came to light that there are some... There is some uh, sexual abuse happening, not at the convention headquarters, but at churches. But people at headquarters knew about it, didn't do anything. 
and they remain silent. They actually intimidate people to, to stay silent. And, uh, you know, that's an extra stumbling block to the gospel. So when I say, you know, uh, people need to uh, people need to accept Christ. And they say, well, look at what's happening there in that family of churches that you associate with. It's a stumbling block to the gospel. And so in two weeks when we come, I'm going to ask that you approve a recommendation. The deacons have already unanimously approved it. The stewardship council has unanimously approved it. That we direct any money that would go to our executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention that for 2023, we redirect it to the Florida Baptist Children's Home, those that are victims and those that are vulnerable to sexual abuse. And I hope, I hope you'll be there to help support that. I think that's a very important, important thing that we do. We need to send a message. We don't need to be silent. And what we're doing is trying to take away extra stumbling blocks to the gospel. There's another thing that we're going to consider. And I hope I don't make a whole bunch of people mad. I know I'll make some, but not a whole lot, I hope. <laughs> Because, you know, I like to keep people happy. I told you that. But, you know, in, in two weeks also, I want us to have a conversation that I think it's time for us to make Anastasia Church our primary name rather than Anastasia Baptist Church. And I'm not, I am not looking at trying to move away from our affiliation. There's so much, from my perspective as pastor, there's so much good that's going on by being connected with our family of churches and the missionary work that's being done, the disaster relief, the children's home work that's being done. There's an amazing amount of work that's being done you may not even know about. But that name Baptist has so much baggage. It's another stumbling block to the gospel. And so we're not going to vote on that. We're just going to talk about that. I want people to share their heartfelt concerns about that. And any action we take will take place at a later business meeting at the one next November. But I want us to think about that. I want us to put it out in front. Let's, let's think about that, pray about that. Is this the time to take away that stumbling block for so many to the gospel? Okay, so that's what's coming up. So anyway, it's all about this fourth point. Don't give the world extra cause to hate the gospel because it's a stumbling block on its own. Uh, verse, uh, verse 28, I see something else. Verse 26, sorry. I didn't hold my notes far enough away. Uh, <clears throat> he says here, but when the helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Now remember this. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness of Jesus Christ. And that's our purpose, bearing witness of Jesus Christ helping people embrace the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. And so the point is, don't hog the martyrdom spotlight. Don't, don't try to bring the attention and the spotlight on ourselves. That spotlight needs to point to Jesus. As we stand up to situations and we stand up for our faith, sometimes it's very easy to say, hey, well, look at what we're doing. We're standing up to the world. If we start bringing attention to ourselves, we've moved away from the gospel. Everything needs to point to Jesus. We're pointing people to Jesus Christ. That's, that's our point. The one who died for us, the one who loves us, the one who offers forgiveness, the one who, who brings eternal life. I can't do any of that. This church can't do any of that. That only comes in the power and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ himself. So we want to point everything to Jesus. Don't hog the martyrdom spotlight. Even if you get persecuted, don't say, look at me. Hey, just keep pointing people to Jesus. Smile and say, hey, this is Jesus. We're following Jesus. Everything's going to be fine. And then uh, the next thing I want to share with you comes from chapter 16, verse 1, as I have 40 seconds left. <clears throat> I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus knew that there'd be people that would fall away. Jesus knew that it would be tough. 
And he's trying to remind us to keep standing for him. And that's the next point. Keep standing for Christ. Endure, persevere. It's hard, it's costly, but you know what? The the rewards are so worth it, so worth it. And then in verse four, he said, but I've said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember. You may remember that I told them to you. Remember, Jesus is in control. The Lord is in control. He knows what's going to happen. So never forget. This is the point. Never forget that Jesus is alive and that he loves you. This is how we deal with the world, that part of culture that's, that's not in sync with where we are, okay? We're not going to conform for the world's approval. We're going to live for Jesus. We're going to trust Jesus' words over our own. We're going to believe in miracles. We're not going to give the world extra cause to hate the gospel. And we're not going to hog the modern spotlight. We're going to keep standing for Jesus. And we're never going to forget that Jesus loves us. We're never going to forget that he died for us. We're never going to forget that he offers life forever with Jesus in heaven. That's what it means to be ectocosmo, out of this world. So are you out of this world? Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys ectocosmo? Awesome. Awesome. So if you're ectocosmo, are you ready to go out and live in a world that's out of sync with where we are? Yes. We can do that in the power of Jesus. Does it sound hard? Yes, it is. But in the power of Jesus, it happens, okay? And we can live victorious, okay? Do you get tired of this love-hate relationship? Sure we do. But in the power and the wisdom of Jesus, all the strength he gives us, it will happen and we will overcome. Amen? Amen. Amen. And let me just ask you this. Are you ectocosmo? There might be someone here that's not ectocosmo. Maybe you're still living in the world. There may be some people here that have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Can I share with you, that's the most important thing you can do is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And what that means is you admit that I can't make it to heaven on my own. You believe that he's alive, he's at the right hand of the Father. You believe that he died for you and that his sacrifice is what makes our forgiveness possible. That's what opens up the door to heaven so we have life forever with Jesus in heaven, that he's the way. If you never trusted in him, Would you right now in the quiet of this moment, the quietness of this moment, just say, Lord, if this is the way, show me. Show me, Lord, take away any doubt that I have. Show me what it means to trust in you as Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you even when people in the world will say I'm making the wrong decision. Help me to have that assurance and that power. Help me have that hope. But also, Lord, let me have that that second chance and the forgiveness and life forever with you. You can do that right now. And I pray if you've never done that before, that you're doing that today. Amen. Would you stand with me as I pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this word. Lord, I thank you for the power that you give us. Lord, I thank you for the truth. And Lord, I thank you for, in your power of your Holy Spirit, to resist temptation and to resist the opposition, Lord, and to stand firm in you. And Lord, anything that good happens, Lord, glory be to your name. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If God is calling you to respond in any way, you want to be a member of this church and join us in our journey, you want to come up here to pray, you can pray. If you want to help with a step of faith, come down, join us. We have counselors that are ready to help you take next steps of faith, and we will overcome. Amen? Amen. Christ is my firm foundation.